Hello and welcome to the Reading Ramble. In this episode, I speak to John Meredith from the Heritage Learning Lancashire about the fantastic storytelling festival that they are organising and working on with schools across Lancashire. We talk about the importance of storytelling and how stories are formed all around us. We discuss how heritage and folklore influence stories and why storytelling can help improve confidence and listening skills. I hope you enjoy the episode. So uh, I'm here today with uh, John from our heritage learning team uh, to talk a little bit about the uh, storytelling festival that they're uh, launching. John, just tell us a bit about who Heritage Learning Team are. Certainly, certainly. So the Heritage Learning Team, Heritage Learning Lancashire, uh, basically bring history to life. That's our our job is to bring history to life and make connections with our cultural heritage. Uh, We're based in Preston and we offer learning sessions across the county in schools and in museums and at various venues in between. Uh, We offer outreach sessions, as I mentioned, basically covering history topics from the Stone Age to the modern day, and loads of history in between. Uh, We offer a CPD service to our schools, to our teachers, uh, and also we run a number of projects throughout the year, which tend to include a lot of creative practitioners and always look to to connect back to our heritage in some way, shape or form. So that's that's who we are, that's what we do. We're a, we're a small team with a big support network around us. Uh, that, as I say, we work across the county, but also uh, we are sort of used as advisors on projects beyond that as well. So uh, it's all very exciting. Fantastic. Um, so you've recently um, launched the Storytelling Festival. We have indeed the Lancashire School Storytelling Festival, uh, the first Lancashire School Storytelling Festival. Uh, we launched it earlier uh, this month. And um, what we're trying to do with it is uh, generate interest, enough interest that we will, because it's going to be a competition, it is a competition. Uh, so uh, there will there'll be, however many entries we get, will be narrowed down to a short list of eight. Uh, and then those eight will be the finalists. Um, and that uh, that announcement, the the, the finalists will be announced later this year. So December the first, we're going to announce the finalists. So um, the schools have a roughly a month to get something in. Um, and we, what we've asked the schools to do is to tell us a short story, which is going to be a scary story. We'd like it to be a scary story of some kind. Um, that would really help uh, because the closing day is Halloween, um, and. Uh, it's going to be so many minutes long and it needs to include the whole group because this is about a whole group storytelling uh, and actually telling a story. Uh, and that could be quite exciting because we don't know what we're going to get there for. Uh, it's a complete mix. And then we have a we have a panel of judges who will sit there with a, with a what they call a rubric, sort of just, just sort of voting judging mechanism. Um, be like strictly 10 from Len and things like that. Um, so they'll be, uh, they will then narrow them down and, and sort of look at their, their sort of creative input and things like that, which which promises to be quite exciting. It sounds great. Yeah. And, and kids have the greatest minds for these kind of things as well, though. I'm sure you're going to get some incredible entries and fantastical ideas. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to, because I'm involved, uh, obviously, with, Later on in the project, we do a number of workshops with the, with the with the finalists. They get some workshops as part of the deal, um, and uh, and I'm involved in that. So so I'm trying to keep myself distanced at this stage from anything, and so I'm not going to sit on the judging panel at the beginning or at the end, so I can keep that sort of um, um, 
impartiality, if you like. Uh, but obviously, the schools that have been contacting us and saying, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, there's, there's already a range and you think, oh, I can't wait to look at these. Um, so I'll get a sneaky peek anyway, but I, I won't be able to influence the final decision, which is great. So. So how are the stories going to be presented? Are they going to be audio or visual? Or So the, uh, right now we're, we're doing a video audition um, style. So the schools will will um, will be at, uh, probably most of them will have completed now um, because of half term, but they'll be rehearsing and then they will just get a school tablet and film it. We don't want a Hollywood production. It's just, just film it. However it is, film it. Um, and then they send that into us and we have a complicated link system which is actually quite easy to operate because i set it up which is quite so that's good um but then from there we just move it in and the actual competition which takes place in march next year will be live we're gonna we're gonna get a venue um which suits the finalists so we're hoping to base it in preston but if all our finalists are from one side and that could happen we don't know um then we'll, we'll look to get a venue which suits everybody so no one's having to travel too far um so we're quite flexible on that um but they uh, then they will come face to face um and they will they will perform their their piece if you like this their short story which they'll have to write so this is about not just this video audition where they've created a story, but for the actual competition, they're going to create an exam piece type story and another one as well. So it's all about creating stories, really. That's the beauty of it. Um, an entire year just writing stories and then telling you stories, which is quite magical, really. So yeah, that is that does sound fantastic. Is there any kind of uh, stipulations about them? Are they have do they have to be original or can they take inspiration from uh, fictional uh, factual characters or? They can take inspiration because what will happen without giving too much away. It's mm. all you know because uh, we don't want any prior knowledge. But um, they can take inspiration from uh, existing uh, books. They can take inspiration because we will have an opportunity that there'll be a loans box full of books that they'll be able to to buy in as well. So. Um, they can take inspiration from other sources, but the the exam piece will be an original piece, um, and that's part of the 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 joy of this is that the the if we wanted to, we could create then a series of stories on a theme out of the exam pieces. So this this project could grow and grow and grow, um, which which is fabulous really. So it will be an original story that they have to tell for their exam piece. On the day of the actual day of the competition, they'll also be encouraged to tell us another story, which is part of Lancashire folklore. So it, it can be one that exists, you know, if they want to sort of look at a whole range of stories um, that are out there and just come and tell us that story, their version of it, but tell us a story. So. Uh, so there's, there's a little bit of support there, if you like, in terms of we can do this uh, because this is this is brand new and this is an old story that we're going to reimagine and, and tell. Folklore is such a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's it just little niche stories that are really specific to a region or an area yeah. um, often. Um, it's, it's such a, an interesting thing to get into and you don't always you, you can live in a place for so many years and then find out these little stories that uh, they've just been hidden away from you uh, and Lancashire's great for it isn't it yeah it's packed in every sort of every every sort of little corner of Lancashire like 
every other place has got got a story and it just needs unearthing really and that part of the the aim of this this project is to do just that you know so you know we we will look hopefully unearth a whole range of stories that that maybe haven't been told for years you know along the way some some popular ones will come out we know they will they'll be there um, but we're also what we're trying to do with that is throughout the year we will be releasing videos of stories that we've chosen from folklore and they'll be sort of going out every month type thing just a little teaser to add to the wealth of stories that are already out there um our aim then going forward is that we will look to get a bit of an international feel to the storytelling festival we'll we're going to connect into the folklore of uh, scotland ireland and wales over the next three years and then what we're going to try and look to do um is the fourth year we maybe we'll look to do an international theme which will be stories from around the world told at home so you know recognizing our diverse culture in, in lancashire that we can have stories being told in the home that, that were once told hundreds of miles away thousands of miles away and, and they'll look at that so uh, that should be fascinating yeah, yeah. That, that could bring out some fantastic stories yeah uh, yeah. different cultures as you allude mm. to that that Absolutely. people would be really interested to learn i think mm. uh, so our hope is that as we go and because we because we feel that this year that being the first year um it'll, it will be a, a slow start uh, and the interest will generate and snowball and that each year it will grow and each year we're going to try and add in another layer of competition in or another layer of creativity in. so we may bring music into it next year uh, we may bring the following year we may bring elements of dance into it next year it it will add and it will grow each year that's that's the plan for it um and and sort of i think my my aim uh, is 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 with it that we we create that maybe we start off with a simple act of telling a story uh, with a group of people um and then it grows into something much bigger that there's music there's dance there's puppetry there's all sorts involved and put it it grows each year to achieve that um so yeah you mentioned uh, music and other forms um your team in the past have worked with uh, lots of other creatives to, on, on different projects do you want to tell us a bit about some of the other projects that you've worked on and any particular <laughs> favorites yeah i mean we, we we've 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 sort of been involved with a whole range of creative practitioners um you know, musically, we, we, we do an awful lot of work with a group called the Youngins, a folk group called the Youngins. Um, and through through working with them, we, we've sort of looked deeper into folk music and therefore we've, we've created new links with new performers. And we're always looking to establish that. Uh, we've done a number of projects, um, at Lancashire Sings, which was basically a whole range of schools who, who turned a local story into a song. And then we did a big concert performance um we've just done um uh, a whole project on clog dancing um fabulous project um and and that's the sort of the the range of things that we do you know we can work with a variety of of artists and practitioners be it drama be it music be it dance um to create all you know projects that just resonate really as as we go forward um a lot of the, the our initial creative projects were music based were song based um and and we found that schools really engaged with that on, in a big way but then we have done a lot of 
dance-based projects as well, which have been fabulously well received. Um, and and possibly in a bigger way than anybody could have anticipated. You know, when when you plan these things, it's all like, you know, we'll get a good reaction. This, you know, people will go for this. But then the the excitement of somebody turning up with, with boxes full of clogs that they that everybody could could put on and then learn how to dance with that was brilliant. So uh, so yeah. So that and again that leads to to other plans and other projects. So uh, it's all good. So stories obviously can be shared in 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 so many different ways, and I think. Traditionally, obviously, before uh, the dawn of television and radio and, and recorded music and things, it would have been one of the primary ways of people that people would entertain themselves. Absolutely. I mean, in, in its essence, storytelling is is pure communication, and, it, and it's it's an art form. It's an ancient art form. I think probably that the sort of the the story of the one that got away um, has been told since mankind was standing in caves grunting at each other basically so i think that, that this whole idea that it, it is a, traditionally it's an, an oral tradition um the, the skill of to stand up and tell a story and of course storytellers were news bringers so it's the same idea that they'll come and tell a story about something that's happened over the hills in the days when people didn't really travel anywhere a storyteller coming to town to tell them what's been happening in other parts of the country wow how exciting is that and then the storyteller ends up with their sort of and finally moment a little quirky story leaves everybody happy and laughing and, and that right great fabulous um so so yeah it's an ancient art um i think i think it's you know as you say technology today makes it easier to reach out to more people but at its true core in its essence it's that that th that idea to stand there in front of a group of people who you want to you want to fire their imagination you want to paint pictures in the heads or allow them to paint their own pictures in the heads of what you're describing and it's it's a fabulous thing and you, you mentioned earlier about how the deadline for uh, the submissions is Halloween. And I think this time of year, um, sort of going into winter, is uh, it's perfect, isn't it? So evocative for storytelling, that the idea of sitting around a campfire and telling ghost stories. and Yeah, and all of that. And I think this, this, I always have this image in my head about sort of people doing exactly that. Um, I would say uh, I've travelled all over the world telling stories um, during during my various careers. Uh, and I remember being in, in out in North Africa um, in the desert because we were looking at this this sort of uh, adventure trip for a for a for a company. Uh, and I was out there doing a recce and um, we were traveling across the desert and we were, we were sat with some um, local tribesmen around a fire doing exactly that sat around a fire and I couldn't understand a word that was being said but my guide said they're telling stories and, and initially they were, he was trying to translate but obviously they're all away and I just said no let me listen and the sort of the way that they were speaking the, the animated way they used of the hands tone everything I, I got as much of the storytelling adventure out of that than understanding the words so so it was I think that's the beauty of it and this idea of people sitting around a campfire and those people are from around that campfire are going to be from different areas and they all bring a little bit of where they've come from to that campfire and you get this cultural exchange of ideas I think it's fabulous mm. it's like it's the lack of distraction as well i think that if you're in that kind of setting mm. you've got something to focus on that, that, that makes you listen and i think listening is part it's a huge huge part obviously of, of story massive massive I mean, I mean, audience. sorry but yeah a, a massive thing that sort of 
being a being a storyteller encourages you to be a good listener um, because you're always listening for stories and and you don't want to miss nuances or or phrases or things like that 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 you might use or might inspire something else so it does it does improve your listening skills um so yeah it's fabulous stuff fabulous I was going to ask you why you think that it is important storytelling. So we've obviously discussed sort of how it happens, and but obviously a lot of your work is with young people. Why do you think it's important for them to to learn more about folklore and heritage and the medium of storytelling? Why is it why is it important? I think sort of the, the connection to our our sort of heritage is to help uh, people understand who they are and and how they came to be who they are. Um, and to realise that, you know, that the way you live actually has a fascinating story to tell. And, and that in itself is, is quite a wonderful thing. But I think storytelling in particular, um, and, and I say this as a storyteller, it, it sort of helps. And we do, as you say, we, we work mainly with primary schools, but not exclusively. Um, but we work mainly with primary schools. And, and just that that act of telling the story of understanding what it needs and what it means to stand there and tell us or sit there and tell a story. You don't have to be standing and you can be lying down and tell a story. But to be able to sort of put those ideas across and and to create, you know, if you've got excitement, you've got adventure, you've got tension. You mentioned before about sitting around a fire on Halloween telling ghost stories to create that atmosphere is a skill in itself. And it helps build things like confidence this this sort of oral skills, this oracy, and you know, to be able to stand there and speak clearly and be understood, um, it helps build your creative side, the creative side of things. That if you think, right, I want to tell this, I want to tell story, I tell a story about this. How am I going to tell it? What am I? What pictures am I going to paint? So it, it, storytelling has has so many different uses um, to to build. In creating a storyteller, you create. Hopefully, you're creating a confident individual who can stand and and speak clearly, and put ideas across, and and use their their own imaginations uh, to to encourage the use of other people's imaginations. Um, and it's and it is. You can compli- overcomplicate things, but keep it simple. Just tell a story, and, and allow the words to do the work. And then, and then from there, I think I think it does. It offers so much more in terms of of an individual. Um, obviously, you've got your, your connections to literacy, and 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 I think a key thing is like when I started out years and years ago, I wasn't I wasn't a confident writer, um, but I, I was confident in telling stories. But and and, and the, the the key thing with that is that I I recognised that I needed to write things down uh, to be able to remember what my stories were. <laughs> You know, it was that that type of thing, and uh, all of a sudden, yeah, I can. I'm I'm happy to write things down, so because that facilitates me telling a story. So, uh, it, it, you know, it, it does help with literacy, I think, because it helps you understand more about how to use your language, uh, or the language that you're speaking in, um, which then, when it comes to to writing things down and, and looking at the 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 business end of of literacy. Um, it makes that a little bit easier because you, you're getting a more of an idea of what's required. I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's a confidence thing, isn't there? That the idea of sitting down and writing a book, 
or even a short story or a poem is quite intimidating to start with that the idea that you're going to have to put however many words goes into a, a long form story down on paper and then editing it and go through all that process whereas the idea of telling a story you know you can tell a story to uh, you, you know your children or your, your partner yeah. or your friends and you can do it in a, such a short period of time where you're going to be able to have a beginning middle and end you know, hold yeah. an audience um, sort of rapt attention. Um, it, it's it seems simpler, but there is, as you said, such a skill in it. There is, and I think that you know, if we go back, if we, if we go back through the years, you know, there was a time when nobody really wrote anything down. So this idea of your story can change slightly. You just mentioned, hey, if you're telling it to a group of children, telling your story to a group of children, you might tell it slightly differently than if you were telling it to a group of adults. Mm. You know, so. It's having that flexibility, and again, it keeps keeps your sort of brain active because you're having that flexibility to to retell slightly without changing the context of the story or, in fact, most of the content. It's just about which language you use. But then there is there is a requirement now, or a need, or or an excitement in actually putting those words down on paper. There is a there is there's there's something magical about actually putting your words down on paper, and uh, you know, it's, and and whether that is. I will tell a story and I love that story so much I'll write it down or the other way round either way is a win-win situation you know because it, it is that it's developing that that desire and that love of of telling a story and however you get to that point where you tell your story whether that be writing it down first and then thinking oh if I if I do that in that bit and because I, I do it both ways you know in terms of I sometimes I'll sit there and I have I have a page of a of a storyline and it's got bubbles coming off it and and I'm going to do this here and this here, and then I'll just go and tell the story and, and I never look at that page again but I then sometimes write it out from scratch um, and think right okay so how, how will this story go great okay and I always write as if I'm telling it which people sort of sometimes go I can tell this is yours because it can it reads how you speak <coughs> so uh then I have to change it when I write it down for someone else to tell it because it's not the same. So uh, that, that's yeah. something wonderful about a story, though, isn't it? That it exists once, and you mm. know, as you say, next time it will be different. So you might have an audience that are the only people to ever hear that story. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to put put you on the spot now. Um, <laughs> Tricky. Uh, that wasn't in the email. It wasn't. <laughs> so we talked about folklore earlier and and stories. Have you got a particularly favourite uh, piece of folklore or a character, maybe, or a story? Uh, folklore. Well, I, I actually like all the stories about uh, boggarts and, uh, and things which, which Lancashire and Yorkshire um, seem to have lots of, um, which are always quite interesting and how, and how they can be really helpful, uh, but never cross a boggart because things <laughs> could go horribly wrong. So, I, so I like. I tend to like those. Um, those kinds of stories. Um, I recently came across a story uh, called Pudsey's Leap, um, um, which uh, which is a fascinating story about a chap uh, during the reign of Queen Elizabeth who, who minted his own coins and fell foul of the law uh, and uh, only managed to escape because he came across a, uh, a group of goblins in a, in, a, in a forest glade one evening who gave him a magic bit for his horse. Fascinating story, brilliant. Um, and, and he escaped by jumping off this 90-foot cliff on the back of this horse with a magic bit in his mouth um, and rode off into the darkness 
what happened to him? Ooh. Right. Um, so, so, uh, so uh, again, that's a story. But I, I like creating. Uh, I like messing with folklore. I'll be honest. Um, we, we have a, we have a session at, at Clitheroe Castle, the um, school session, and and we we've entered uh, into folklore. Uh, another story about the hole in the castle keep. Um, so, um, so we put another one in the into the mix, um, which which thing is fascinating. So so now you know you can look at the various. Uh, I think I think I think the last count that I'd heard about six or seven different versions of why there was a hole in the keep. Uh, my um, my son thinks it's a cannonball. Uh, yeah, cannonball. Yeah, yeah. yeah, cannonball from Pendle Hill. Massive cannon that. Oh, it was brilliant. But fired by Oliver Cromwell himself, no less, <laughs> after it taken down the bridge further up the road. So, uh, so yeah, so all these things are like part of that magical folklore. Um, so yeah, so I like sort of uh, writing stories based around that. Um, and and then I've recently done some some projects um, across the county, um, and and then came up with sort of people who who'd entered into folklore. Um, there was a, the one uh, story I came across and had to create. Uh, about a chap called Treacle Sanderson, who was a runner, um, uh, who they, they felt he was called Treacle because he ate Treacle butties. Um, so, uh, and I thought he was a, a runner, one of the first professional runners, but being professional ruined him really. Um, but uh, so, a fascinating story. Now we used to train on the hills, and there was a there was a path uh, that that he'd ran on and things like that. So, so there's always like little bits and bobs um, you come across. I came across on the same project. I came across someone which uh, which was about um, clog kicking. Um, yeah, uh, and these groups of people used to come from all over to, to kick each other with clogs. A competition. Um, it's, it's not advisable now, and it's and thankfully maybe it's passed. And, and now there's a sort of version where um, you don't even wear clogs, but you wear lots of shin pads. Uh, it's like a form of Lancashire judo, I think. Um, <laughs> But, um, but yeah, but the fascinating little things, and so they become part of the of the of the folklore and, and the stories that people tell of those areas, and you'll find those. So difficult to put to narrow it down to one, I'm afraid. No, uh, that's Boggarts, fine. Boggarts are my favourite, though. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a sound choice. Thank you for listening to the Reading Ramble, and thanks to John for joining us. We can't wait to follow the progress of the Storytelling Festival. And you can follow Heritage Learning Lancashire on Twitter at HL Lancashire and on YouTube by searching for Heritage Learning Lancashire. We'll see you soon.